welcome to the Collaborate podcast. I'm Victor Adibuali, chair and founder of Collaborate. Collaborate is a small organisation with massive ambition. We want to look beyond the challenges we currently face in society and start a conversation about the future. We live in challenging times and I think we need more collaboration in society, in public services, in our economy, all to create a better future. So we're exploring what a collaborative society could look like, how you build it and where the green shoots are. And as part of this, I'm talking to some fascinating people about how they are creating change through their work. I'd like to introduce you to Sarah Gorman. She's doing some really fascinating work in the Northeast, in Gateshead. Uh, I just love what she's what she's doing, and I'm really excited to have, be having this conversation with her. What I'm interested in is how you got into this. What, what was the what's the mission? What are you trying to do? And why are you trying to do it, actually? So my own background is very much working um, in the voluntary sector, um, but working the passion really to to work with homeless people. I, I was working in London initially with homeless people and then moved to the northeast mm. and got involved with a, a supportive housing association there, yeah. ran a house for uh, young women. Yeah. Um, and it was an amazing time where um, we were able to work with young women and start to see them reach their full potential. Mm. Um, started to develop that organisation, looking at other um, issues that people were really struggling with. And one of them was actually around um, Teenage Mums, an organisation, uh, a house called Elizabeth House, um, which was to support young mums. But we found that it was actually very difficult for the young women to move out from a 24-hour supportive mm. place um, into places of their own. Mm. Um, and so we took on six houses on this particular estate mm-hmm. where my charity is now based. Right. This is where this is yeah. going. And, and, it's all right. and, um, and we started to support the owners so they could move out of 24 hour supported accommodation into their own home, but still having somebody to call on, someone mm. to chat to, someone to support them, based in a house right in the middle of the estate. But that, lots of the house was empty. The council were increasingly due to austerity and other services were being removed. And actually the house was stood empty and we started to think well, what could we do with the house and we asked the council if we could use it so that we could support our young women yeah but it quickly became apparent that actually the rest of the community were a bit naffed off about this because mm. actually they quite wanted to use that property and right. felt a bit yeah, yeah so we started to chat to people and actually we started to say well actually if we could create a, a project in the middle of that estate where everybody could start mm. to get involved mm. then that would be um then that would be good then over the last 10 years, I have developed the work of Edbert's mm. um, into our own charity. Mm-hmm. So we're now a completely separate organisation, still very much believing in the values of, as well. Of, yeah. um, when you think about Edbert's and its place in that estate. We, we started working um, on that one estate and actually we built lots of great relationships. We mm. had a lot of fun. We did lots of great mm. stuff, pulling people together. Um, and over that period, um, of the first between sort of two, two, 2010, 2016, mm. we saw antisocial behaviour on that estate fall from the highest in Gateshead to below average. So now all the houses on our estate are full. Um, it's a very different place to what it was. And people started to recognise that and, and, and the power of mm. it. Um, and so since then we've developed further work across the borough mm-hmm. 
winding back a little bit, I think we went to visit local GPs for some of the presentation and they recognised some of the people in our photographs. Mm. And they said, this is really interesting because they don't come so often anymore. And when they come, they're more articulate. Yeah. And we wondered what it was that was making the difference. And yeah. now we see the work that is going on behind right. the scenes. Brilliant. And I guess we started to think of our work, which really Perfect. had started as community development. Yeah. Um, as And I, I use the word community development in that phrase, because that's what people call it. Yeah. I mean, I don't particularly think of myself as a, I've never done any training in community yeah. development as okay. a thing. But um, but yeah, I just thought, I thought about it really as about making friends, really, mm -hmm. just making friends with people. Mm -hmm. Um, but we started to talk to the GPs and we started to say, well, actually, this would be really useful. They started to tell me these awful stories about people that were coming to see them who mm. were so lonely that they were just bringing something out of the newspaper to show the doctor because yeah. they didn't have anyone to no, talk to. No, that's absolutely right. And we started to think, well, we must be able to do something. One one GP told me about a guy who actually he had had this wound on his arm for months and months yeah. and months. I mean, this could make me cry now because actually he just every time it nearly got healed, he picked it off again. Yeah because actually he just wanted the district the nurse to yeah, keep well, coming and yeah. coming because that was the only person he yeah. saw. I mean, this is just a, you know, if that doesn't make you sad and upset, then there's then something wrong, wrong with you. With you <laughs> because like, you know, that the, the sadness of that, and we started to say, we must be able to do something about yeah. this. So we started a pilot in one GP where yeah. we put a worker in and they saw all the people with uh, non-clinical issues. But moving away, starting to move away from this idea or actually really embed this idea, that home is for health mm. and hospital is for repairs. Mm. So actually this idea of what's happening in our own life and, and yeah. the wider determinants of that yeah. and how that sits is so important for who Critical. we are in our own yeah. health. Um, and so that little pilot in one surgery was really great, it was yeah. really successful. So then the other four GPs in the area said, oh, we'd like a bit yeah. of that as well. So then we expanded to them and then we expanded to 13 surgeries and now we're about to cover the whole borough wow. by the end of the year. I love it. There's so many complicated words for making friends. <laughs> but I'm interested in what is it that you that you were doing that you're spreading, if you see what I mean? What, what have you captured? Do you, what do you think you've captured that's, that's absolutely... And so if I said to you, who are you? You yeah. may say, and I, I don't know you very well, so that's forgive right. me, but have you may go. say... <laughs> <laughs> you may say, I'm a husband, or I'm a father, yeah. or I'm a chief I'm exec, or I'm yeah. this, or I'm that, yeah. a cousin. Actually, all to do with our connections with yeah. other people. Yeah. And we were meeting people who were saying to us, well, actually, I, I'm I don't nothing. Have any connections. Yeah, because yeah. I've never worked. Yeah. My kids have been taken away. Mm. My parlour's left me. Mm. I, I have no way of identifying myself. Yeah. And actually, in the Northeast, it's particularly true because a lot of the employment that we did have in the area was very much about connectivity yeah. and, and about identity. Yeah. So people define that I am a miner and yeah. I am a shipbuilder yeah. and I'm I am a car worker. You know, yeah. Yeah. So these things were very important and they also had a very strong social element. So mm. people had the social clubs and they yeah. had brass bands and they had all sorts of things yeah. that also connected them with that mm. and, and gave them a, a kind of moral compass, partly about who, yeah. you know, and the way that they behaved and so on. Mm. And actually when that was stripped out as well, then actually that sense of you know connectivity went and there's a sense of fragmentation. Mm. In no sense am I suggesting that Everett's is somehow coming in to replace shipbuilding and mining. No. Um, but in a very in a very small way, you know, because we can only have, we have our own potency, our own sort of relative potency in the yeah. area where we are, in, in a small way, it gives people something to say, 
I'm on the, we have steering groups in our projects yeah. and the local people actually yeah. owning the budgets and deciding I what happens. And so there's something about yeah. people saying, well, actually I'm on there, but steering group. Mm -hmm. So I might not have a lot else going on mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. We've seen quite a few people moving into work and other yeah. things afterwards. It's remarkable, isn't it? It gives them a thing to, yeah. to say, this is who well, I, I am. am. It's Being, amazing. Becoming part of the process yeah. it is the outcome itself. Yes. So people are very interested in the yeah. outcome, but actually the process and the way stuff is done yeah. is so significant. Yeah. I, I think it's worth, I, I, I'm slightly more pessimistic. And the reason why I am, it's not pessimistic that there will be change, because I'm optimistic about that. Yeah. I think both of us are too lucky to be pessimistic. But I think I do, I, what my experience has been that um, in initiatives like yours, collaborative initiatives that are ground, ground-based, for want of a better yeah, term, yeah. hit what I call the power barrier, and the power barrier is all about the stuff that you're talking about in terms of people, the vulnerability, and the structures. And what happens then is that the the powers challenge because the only way really you can lead in the context of what you're doing is to give power up in other words you have to transfer power to where it kind of does most good um and in some ways you gain more power but you have to transfer it that is a, a an incredibly incredibly hard thing to do for all kinds of reasons so rather than actually challenge yourself or face it you use the rule book you use authority you use anything mm. to avoid that shift mm. and then the project dies or it gets so far and no further and the the structures become solidified um, rather than porous against you mm. and it it's an experience that I've had and it um, and I, I think that collaborate sees it but I wonder whether you'd seen it and, and I want to ask you another question as well which come to mind because um, I've assumed, because I've not been to your project, there's quite a lot of diversity, um, or diff people with different views, even. I mean, Brexit, mm. for instance, mm. Remainers versus mm. Leavers, right? Um, Muslim versus Christian. And I'm putting it in that way because it's 2019. Mm. This is Brexit Britain, we're having a conversation. Mm. And I'm thinking, is this a bit come by our? You know, do you get, how do you deal <laughs> with the reality of people's differences in, in, in the work that you do? So that's the kind of first question. The second question is, how do you deal with the power thing? Does does what does, does that make sense to you, or do you expect? No, it I think sense? I have, you know, understanding of both issues that you're mentioning. I think maybe slightly two different things here. Mm, so within um, within our communities, then obviously mm. there is difference, mm. um, and um, particularly in the northeast, then. Um, Predominantly, we were working initially with white British families. Mm. Um, often there was quite a lot of expressed racist language mm. towards people from other mm. um, backgrounds, mm. mainly based on fear, mm. often really, because people didn't actually, again, yeah. it's back to connection and relationship. Yeah. People didn't have relationships. They were nervous. They wouldn't be understood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when we first started uh, one of our projects, then people said to me, excuse my language, mm. but I'm repeating yeah. language. Oh, Sarah, you know, next thing you're saying, you know, we love everyone. Next thing you'll be saying, we have to let the darkies in. You know, so it's not how how we manage these things and how we build, um, you know, community connection and cohesion mm. is not 
you know, as it goes back and partly goes back to the power thing. Mm. So, you know, you can stand on the table and say, we have an equality and diversity policy yeah. and blah, 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 you know, if you want to yeah. get punched in the face. <laughs> but, um, but actually, there's something about respecting people's views, even though you don't personally agree yeah. with them, um, but also something about creating a space within um, within an area where actually a new culture, a sort of mini culture can yeah. be established okay. that can kind of model to people what things can How look do like. Do that? That so work? in a practical level, yeah. we started to work with a really lovely group of Syrian asylum mm. seekers who had been resettled mm. into our area and we started to support them. Um, and so what we actually did, on a, if you want to know the actual practical, physical processes, yeah, they were in the room at one end of the yeah. centre yeah. and they had their language class. Yeah. And at the same time, we put it deliberately on the day when it was community mm. lunch, mm. which was predominantly a white British mm. activity, and mm. that was in the end room. Mm. And then after a few weeks, we opened the middle door. It Love was it. a moment. And, um, you know, so then and we didn't say anything to people. We just said <sighs> the doors it. are open and there we go. And then actually we started to talk around food and could we offer food? And then the white British families realised that actually a lot of the things they were cooking weren't really suitable. Yeah. And so yeah. um, so then we started to ask maybe some of the Syrian ladies, mm. could you make some stuff so that then everyone yeah. can eat together? Yeah. And we started to do crafts together. And then actually now and we have a number of really fully integrated mm. groups. And one of the people who said to me right at the beginning, are we going to yeah, the darkies in? in yeah sat down with me a few uh, last year now, said to me, Sarah, you will never believe. And what some of those Syrian asylum seekers have been through now is such a mm. nice thing that we can invite them into our country mm-hmm. to get away from mm-hmm. what they had been through. Mm-hmm. That was a really, really special moment yeah. for me because yeah. it's not even about... It, it was a heart change yeah. for somebody. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's yeah. not about language because no, people kind of know that they're... Mm. People kind of know that they're not supposed to be racist, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. But it's really starting to really build relationships yeah. and understanding. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think we can see change. Is yeah. it kumbaya? I, I don't, I don't know. A lot of people, honest. a lot of people say I'm really fluffy um, because I live in this kind of little mm. um, bubble that everyone can mm. be in relationship with mm. each other, and mm. I love it. If that's fluffy, I'm okay with it. I'm yeah. happy to I'm, stay there. I don't mind fluffy. I think that, yeah. you know, in, in that sense and this, you know, my kind of underlying belief, which sometimes frustrates people, that people are inherently good people and, mm. you know, and have How great, across the road, if were, have great potential, um, each and every yeah. one. And so we've always had a policy as well of endless, what we describe as endless second chances, because mm. often people come and they volunteer and yeah. then they clear off again and they yeah. maybe do a bit of crazy stuff that, you know, and then they're back and again, and you're like, hi, how are you? That that sense of, you know, of having a place where you can come yeah. back to yeah. as well is, is so yeah. important. The power thing is a, is a, is really interesting. And I think your assessment of that is really, is right, you know, in that way that, if we really want to see stuff done, we have to give power away. I've been trying to talk to local, some local leaders around that, particularly statutory organisations, actually, because they don't really seem to understand this concept of where we can collaborate, we can achieve so much more. Mm. And ultimately in that is the shared glory of what we all achieve. Yeah. So ultimately you will do better and you mm. will go further mm-hmm. if you do it together. Yeah. 
But I think ultimately a lot of that is about people's own personal wholeness oh, and self-awareness. Think about that a so lot. that sense of how secure are they mm. in who they are? Mm. Are they willing to be? Lots. Of, I suppose I am quite happy being vulnerable mm. in that way. Mm. Um, there's not many one probably in my staff team who hasn't seen me cry at one point mm. or another. Uh, I suppose I don't worry too much, but I don't feel that that. Um, doesn't make me a strong leader. No. I think actually that yeah. is a strength because you believe in what you're doing, you're passionate about it, you're willing to show people that you are vulnerable. God, I'm glad you said that because I'm, I'm a six foot black guy with a, I'm a bit of a crybaby. <laughs> I am, well, I've got to be honest. You and I are bigger friends. have a block yeah, together. This horrible feeling of embarrassment when you've done it. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You and I'm like, oh no. And then I keep asking him, the worst thing afterwards is when I keep asking him, I was like, oh, I can't. oh I'm sorry I'm embarrassing you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're right. But, but there's something about that and willing to be human. Mm. And I think you can't build good partnerships and collaborative partnerships unless you know and trust one another. Yes. And trust is really, really yes. important, I think. Yeah. So you sit in a lot of partnership meetings. Well, they're partnership by they're name. Partnership meetings, but yeah. you know that really around that table, people have got their own agendas. And, and, and you're really questioning whether stuff can be achieved. We had one partnership that started and it was all terribly formal you know at the beginning mm. and um, often I always like to have food because mm. I think food really food diffuses things and having some time actually at the beginning as well where people actually just oh you know have you got kids have you got there's yeah. something about understanding each other as humans because if you're starting on a some partnerships start on that kind of posturing really where people are really just wanting to protect their own position protect their own budget yeah. You know, if I come out of here having not given anything, anything away, away that is my yeah. success. Yeah. Where actually, you know, trying to, so in our new project, then actually we have, all of the people have come together. We've built good friendships with one another. So yeah. that we now have on the partnership, the CCG, the police, yeah. um, the local authority, which includes housing and social services, as well as ourselves and citizens advice yeah. and the counselling charity. So we really have, you know, everyone who mm. who is in that area together and and people have contributed to it from their own budget so mm. the council is giving money the police mm. are giving in the ccg are giving mm. in so again not just you know mouth yeah, agreement because, but actual yeah. you, you know and is that commitment. something about so i was gonna ask you two questions now the first is what do you do going back to the question of bringing people together around different views different opinions i just want to push the bit because I've met people and experienced people with extreme views, extremely racist, you know, mm -hmm. extremely misogynist, um, which in some sad way have been given permission. You know, the guy who is a member of, you know, some extreme group, you know. And I wondered, what do you do with the refuseniks, the people who are so far gone, you know, that they, they, see, the, they see the process as the enemy as well as the people involved? And I wonder whether you've experienced that and whether what your thoughts are about that, because we live in the age of extremes and I'm curious about how you what happens when you when you have that at the level at which you work. I don't I don't think we've really experienced it. I mean there have been times where people have said things, you know, like in the within our, our centre that yeah. there have been times when I've had to and I maybe would draw somebody to one yeah. side and 
yeah and say yeah you know that's something that, yeah. because that, again that would be i think a lot would be a, done in a in a way like family yeah. really in in that sense so actually you know this is this is something that's hurting someone else's yeah. feelings or, yeah. or you know stopping that connection mm. and that feeling mm. of, of safety yeah. here um i think that's the word isn't I, it i'm tending to feel like, i suppose that is. people wouldn't probably wouldn't be involved with us on a long-term mm. basis if they mm. really actively yeah. expressed those views. Yeah. Like they wouldn't really have a lot of affinity with what we were trying no. to do, I suppose. And do you because... think you're in the majority? I mean, I think this is the point, really, that, that uh, you, you're working with the middles rather than the extremes and there's always more of the middles if you see what I mean most people just want to get on and then you've got you've got people who have with extreme views who who may well be loud and frightening but they're not the majority yet I guess so and I suppose in terms of community change this is not something that I've really thought about a lot before but I suppose actually really strengthening the middle yeah starts to really tackle the yeah. the edges I I think I, uh, which I is interesting because yeah. I think we've been talking about that a bit on our new estate there's very mm. high levels of youth antisocial yeah. behaviour but often when I talk to residents it's just a few names yeah. that are being mentioned often yeah. the same names yeah. and actually when you meet you meet they're often lads yeah. when you meet the lads mm. they're tiny little yeah, windy yeah, lads yeah. I mean I understand it's awful mm. some of the blokes we've got in our steering room mm. I kind of think well the three of you got together actually mm. and went up to oh, them right. and challenged them really yeah. <laughs> be kind of foolish to, to argue actually yes. and so there's something about actually yeah. em, empowering the the majority mm. i guess mm. because the majority of people want to live together mm. and you know they want to improve their people area they want to have yeah. you know facilities for kids they want to yeah they want to have friends and, and be able to walk down the street and, yeah. and say hi to people yeah. so actually you know, strengthening and helping people to start mm. to see that they can change their own area, yeah. that they can be part of the process yeah. to make it better. Often you have like these meetings, residence meetings, and you know, they get the sort of statutory authorities to sit at the front. They do it in like a top table no, no, kind no, of no, way, no, give really everyone really a load of tomatoes and say, off <laughs> you go, people. Yeah. And and everyone, you know, it, it just rouses a lot of anger, yeah. Yeah, so but actually and makes people often feel more disenfranchised and yeah. less empowered by the end. Yeah. But actually trying to we've been meeting with residents from that estate for over a year mm. now in mm. preparation for this mm. work we were doing they helped us with the lottery bid mm. they wrote what they wanted mm. on their estate mm. you know we, we we developed it into these big posters and we yeah. had community meetings so everybody yeah. could come and say okay well we like that bit we don't think yeah, much yeah. of that Brilliant. you know the head of social services came and she made the tea for yeah. everybody Wonderful. and so that was a really nice moment yeah. where actually they were able to talk to her yeah. about some of the things that had happened do you think I'm interested in how big this is. So when you think about, I mean, I don't know whether you've read it and there's no reason why you would collaborate, produce this manifesto for a collaborative society. You know, we're looking at society now and we, because we're, the team is en- anything but ambitious. You know? <laughs> it's like, hang on a minute, let's, let's, let's yeah. go big. And I'm thinking about when you, you know, get on the train out of Gateshead and you've been in, in London you think about the bigger picture how you relate what you're doing to that picture you know mm-hmm. and and what what would a collaborative society look like you've talked about collaboration without me having to prompt you because it's what you do i guess mm-hmm. but i'm curious about that i'm curious about you know i'm curious about two things actually how big do you think you could get <laughs> and i'm curious about 
how you relate what you do to, to what you observe in society now, you know, what's happening, you know? Um, I suppose our, our values are very much being rooted in the community mm -hmm. and understanding mm -hmm. rather than assessing. Mm -hmm. it means that currently our work is only in Gateshead mm -hmm. and we've had approaches from people outside of Gateshead mm -hmm. to do stuff, but currently working around one of those where we have set we have sought out a community organization in that area yeah. and said how can we help you how can yeah. we work alongside you yeah. to start doing this in your area yeah. um because i think that fits much more with our values mm. what i'm more interested in in gateshead is depth i yeah. guess rather than breadth yeah so actually now particularly when we'll have the coverage across all the gps mm -hmm. Then there's loads of other issues that I would love, to, I yeah. would love, to, like mental health, particularly is a massive thing, yeah. particularly amongst young people. Absolutely. I'm a foster parent, and mm. actually, to seeing like the lack of resource and the lack of uh, mm. of support for mm. young people absolutely is absolutely is, disgraceful. And we haven't and, even talked to them about what support looks like. Well, no, well, that's the other thing. So often there's again, is there's this assessment approach yeah. where. You know, unless you're bad enough, yeah. you don't get yeah. what you need. Yeah. But actually, you know, we and also the cost effectiveness of that. I mean, that's another whole conversation, really. But, you know, this well, whole idea that we just wait to crisis yeah. hits and it yeah. costs an enormous amount of money yeah. where actually there's so much that could be built you know, on a preventative level that yeah. would change our society. Totally and so, would empower people in do, so doing. Yes. And stop them. I mean, ultimately, it's this thing as well, isn't it, of uh, having a society where actually well-being and, and health and how we are as people and our longevity mm. starts to become the measure of how successful we are yeah. as opposed to this whole idea of money and cost yeah. effectiveness which um, you know has weirdly crept in hasn't it that the, you know the success of your society is to do with your GDP or people's you know work productivity yeah. rather than actually are they are they happy are they yeah. well you know yeah. do they live a long time yeah. which actually ultimately this is what we're all interested in one of the things that for, for me is a test of sustainability of this work mm. is not your ability to get grants from big lottery or whatever which is great mm. i mean fantastic but they're grants so they run out mm. right it's their ability to draw in the spend that happens every year you know the local authority has a budget so it sees what you're doing and it looks at what it's doing and it should say, well, what you're doing is working, what we're doing is not working, why don't we fund what you're doing? And if there's a, there are consequences, we might have to change people's jobs, we might have to change what they do and how they do it, they might need fewer of them, and they might need, they might need to get a different job, maybe doing, you know, reskill or whatever. Mm -hmm. But actually, that's sustainable, because every year I get a bill and it's my tax. <laughs> and I was just wondering about that. I mean, I... I keep saying it's the final question, but I'm fascinated by what you say. But, but I mean, I wonder about that. Is that is that what you're seeing, or is that we are seeing that to a degree? So the work that we started with the GPs mm. um, four or five years ago mm. fed into NHS England's mm. um, evaluation of social prescribing and mm. how that was working out across the country. And now that has actually been now a mainstream offer, so that right across England, yes. every PCN yeah, yeah, yeah. will have their That's own true. social prescribing I've, 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 worker. We've there. just been appointed yeah. actually by NHS England to be the regional learning coordinators Excellent. for all of Excellent. the workers in Excellent. our region. Um, so there is some mainstreaming, I think, mm. and some influencing that mm. has gone on mm. in terms of the danger with that, of course, is then where yeah, that no. work then sits well, and whether then yeah. it becomes, again, an offer of the statutory authority because obviously the way that we set that up 
So for instance, with our GP work, and, and mm. people said it would never work, but it has, is that I had to fight my corner on it, mm. but I said, I don't want to have any eligibility criteria. No. We just want to see anyone yeah. of any age, yeah. because actually there's a lot of people who don't fit in a box. Yeah. And so um, we, we saw through our work that there was a lot of people, actually when you're on a diagnostic pathway, yeah. then you get quite a lot of services that are drawn in you around do. you because you, you fit that box. But then there's a lot of people who aren't bad enough. or that. So we saw anyone. Yeah. And actually, those people are often the frequent attenders. They're the ones you need to see, absolutely. So um, by taking away the criteria as well, we were able to link up families and offer stuff more holistically Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. people would say, oh, you know, well, actually, you should see my brother as well because he's really struggling with that. In a lot of services, they'll go, oh, I don't know, because your brother's, he would be for that service over there, you know. But because it's about trust and relationship, Mm -hmm. they'll let you go and see their brother because they like you and it's all right. So... That's the danger that then if you do start to get mainstream funding, are you going to start yeah. to get pushed into a mainstream well, mould? Yeah, I think, um, yeah. But it is more sustainable, as you rightly say, because it isn't sustainable on a two, three-yearly well, cycle. Well, I think, actually, um, I mean, my theory is that you do more harm than good because you build trust, and mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than having trust taken away. It's like showing somebody. But I do, I do mm-hmm. agree, I also agree with you that there's a risk of being co-opted into a into a straitjacket almost. Yeah. So there's something about how you lead. I wondered whether you agreed really that it wasn't really a challenge. Like, well, ultimately it has to be sustainable, and the, the sustainable money is held by the statutory sector by and large, and mm. and also the the jobs are you know. So you're doing work in a community that that used to be done or badly I mean I'm not by the individuals because everybody's well intentioned but the system wasn't designed to meet mm. the needs of that community but mm. you were still spending a shed load of money right mm. the only way forward and I'm positing this as a theory again mm. is slowly to change the way that operates so it looks more like what you're doing and mm. less like what doesn't work right <laughs> I think there's um what we've been trying we're trying to adopt in our new project and I think this feeds into this is making sure that we are um, going through this whole cycle of learning. Mm. So this coal, I don't know if you're aware, there's a coal cycle of learning, which basically looks at concrete experience, reflection and observation, abstract conceptualization, and then um, active experimentation. So people like myself, and often in the voluntary sector too, then actually we're very much on this active experimentation, yeah. concrete experience yeah. side. Yeah. So we're over there, we're doing yeah. a load of stuff. It's another yeah. six months here, six months there. Yeah. We're trying stuff out. Yeah. We're not always so good at the reflection and the no. abstract conceptualization. So yeah. we don't collect a lot of data. No. We don't. So, and then it means that often the people who are making the policy, yeah. they're down here on the data Absolutely. side and the abstract side, you see, going, oh, what's the only certain kind of data. Well, yes, mm. yes. So, very much on mm. the quantitative mm-hmm. rather than the qualitative. Mm-hmm. I very much object to some of that because I think that, you know, why, why are numbers more important than the alphabet? It's yeah. very interesting. And actually, <laughs> in, in courts of law up and down the country, then, you know, decisions are made over yeah. people's lives on yeah. the alphabet, Absolutely. on stories. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so, actually, the qualitative side is actually really, yeah. really yeah. significant. Absolutely and, 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 you know, our whole legal system is based on that. No one seems to really think <laughs> about that because everything's become very scientific. Yeah. I think. Having a, a situation now, the, the project, the Beacon Loft project that we've just started is interesting because around the table now we have the active experimenters mm. 
as well as we're going to have a data analyst mm. um, and we're collecting all of the data and mm. the quantitative stuff that will sit inside it alongside an embedded researcher who will mm. do a qualitative piece. Mm. So if I think it, the more we can start to really understand the work conceptually as well as the data and the quantitative yeah. base too, then actually it will start to will start to give rise to a better understanding in the voluntary and the statutory yeah, yeah, services yeah. of what people actually yeah. need and the impact that it makes. Because I have to say, as we come to the close of my final question, you know, everything you're saying, I'm interested in the future. And what I've listened to is the future. It's it's not, you know, the, the model that we've got, if you keep doing what you've always done, you get what you've always got. You've got a model of collab collaboration, actually. And I guess... Yeah, it's it, 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 there has to be a way of not wasting money, right? Because yeah, ultimately yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. What you, you know, that's yes. what you're trying to do, Absolutely. not waste money, but actually deliver stuff that works. Um, so but the, fo question. the focus what, needs please. to be on, on people, on though, yeah, and on, well, on, on building well-being. Yes. Because then I think if we can do that well, mm. then that will be the most efficient, yeah, yeah. efficient way, yeah, yeah. which will then actually save them. The money. numbers are a symptom of behaviour, not the other way around. Yeah, that's so, interesting. You know, yeah. from, from my, yeah. my way of thinking, that if you, part of the problem is um, that, so cancer is a very good example. We spent a fortune on it, but in too many places, poor people are, are found to get have cancer and in A&E, mm. it's too late, right? mm. at huge cost. Mm. And that's partly because the numbers model, the economic model, attracts a response that says, this is the target. If we apply it to people who can respond to these messages, we'll hit the target. Mm. Unfortunately, the people that really need it... <laughs> don't get the messages. Mm. They don't, not only do they not get the messages, but it's just not focused on them. There's no accountability for that at all. And so everybody's pleased we hit the target, we spent the money, but the people that need it, we don't even we don't yeah. we don't even talk to them. Mm. And and what you're saying about quantum qual and um, no boundaries access to services mm. is exactly the opposite, and mm. would almost certainly and does produce better results. I mean, that's where we started. That's where the NHS started. So, so here you are um, running a, a great project. I love it. If if you were talking to the prime minister what would you say I needed to change in order to give you a chance of sustainability and, and not necessarily you becoming an empire, but no, what you're no. doing growing, what you're doing, the way in which you operate becoming normative, you know, why doesn't it happen everywhere? Well, I've talked to people about the power of relationship and connectivity mm. and this idea that actually our identity is rooted in that. People get that, mm -hmm. you know, they, they get that that's actually how they define themselves. And if we can understand that, then creating places up and down the country where mm -hmm. play, where that can happen, mm -hmm. it's just, it starts to become obvious mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't broker all of the stuff, you know, that's all coming out of our local councils and public health and mm. police and messages. Mm. People, the constant conversation is, you know, well, how, how can we talk to people mm -hmm. about this mm -hmm. stuff? How, mm -hmm. And so... If we could do that, it would be great. Obviously, there's a funding element of that, but you, you know, so just to say this can all be solved by money. Mm -hmm. Actually, some of those, it doesn't even really cost very much money. Mm -hmm. We're now looking at how we can how we can taper off, in a sense, mm -hmm. our funding mm -hmm. to leave. Mm -hmm. And that's proper 
That's, mm -hmm. I mean, and again, shifting power is an interesting thing. Real mm -hmm. community development is about trying to be so good that you don't Absolutely. have a job anymore. Absolutely right. And so actually, mm. you know, we're looking at how we could do that mm. now so that then actually um, these things could be more timed interventions, yeah. actually. Yeah. You yeah. could say, well, we, we've, we've learned from mm. what we can do. Every area is a little bit different, so you can't put everything in a box. But ish, we so could I'm go Boris, in for 10 say. years... You know, you could go. We could go in for ten years. Yeah. We could do lots of activity and really build yeah. relationships, get people to come together, and then yeah. hopefully to to taper off so that that community yeah. can stand stronger by itself. That's See, what we want. Basically, saying to Mr. Johnson, um, and I'm aging this podcast already, but um, uh, uh, I, I want to talk to you about relationships and the power of relationships. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sarah Gorman. It's been an absolute pleasure a fantastic conversation right. it's been great to listen to you thank i've you. enjoyed it thank Here's you so much what's your background music come on as soon as you spoke strangely yeah. and what's been in my head all of this time is actually a katie perry song firework Ooh, i like it because we have every year um an event where we invite all of our volunteers and community members to mm. come and we have a big celebration of everything mm. that everyone has mm. done. And that's one of my favourite things in the year. And actually, we did uh, a presentation of all of the photos with that song in the background. There's something about the words of it that um, that really warmed my heart. And, and there's a phrase in there, have you ever felt like a paper bag just yeah. blowing through the yeah, wind? Yeah. But actually, really recognising that each one of the people that we work with has incredible yeah. potential and beauty. Yeah. Let's all sing it now. <laughs> you can find out more about the work of Collaborate and the Collaborative Society on our website, collaboratecic.com. Do get in touch if you'd like to be part of the conversation.